the humble servant of your shining heavenly majesty, Amaterasu no Omikami, would request your esteemed interest but for a moment. May this parcel reach you in your leisure, for it is of no importance. Yet I would say of the greatest importance, for your humble servant, a mere kitsune in the service of great Inari, they of prosperity and of growth, has, over these past thousands of years, taken upon himself to be a recorder of the chronicles of the heavens and of the earth. I am Raito, a fox with nine tails, whose path here to the plains of heaven has been long, arduous, and full of sorrow. But no kitsune goes to heaven without goodness in their heart, no matter their path. With great Inari's permission, I have compiled a record of your life, a record of your birth near the gates of Yomi, to the time of your abandonment of the world and the subsequent sorrow it caused, of your triumphant return and of your forgiveness of those who wronged you, within reason. I have recorded a record of your descendants, though I will be brief there, as they still reign on earth in your holy land of the rising sun. Why have I done this? You have many chroniclers, and more importantly, you were there. Because I think, great Amaterasu, you are surrounded by sycophants, and I have something more to add. A fox's wit. And with that in mind, what are my observations? I have a few. You, the supreme light of the universe, the sun herself, and despite being the shining vessel of imperial grandeur, you are ultimately one of the most reserved beings in existence. Both of your siblings, Shady Sukuyomi and Stormy Susanuo, cut the look of a ruler that humanity below expects. Neither one of them is remotely suitable. You, unlike your brothers, are not arrogant enough to presume to know immediately. To be rash, to presume that you are right in the face of irrefutable evidence. That is not to say that you are not rash. Abandoning the world to eternal winter is clearly a strike against you. Yet you ask forgiveness, and you ask the counsel of others. And when peace seemed impossible between the kami of earth and sky, you sacrificed your own kin to make that peace a possibility. The world that exists does so because of your imperiousness and humility, all at once, great Amaterasu. And I think at times you forget that. The whole of it, that is. As the Buddhas have influenced our land, so too has the need to be Zen. That is to say, to be in the now. Yet past and future are still real concerns, and I would remind you of the past so we can, as a whole, steer your descendants and their land towards a better tomorrow. I believe it would be best, Luminous Amaterasu of the Land of the Rising Sun, to begin at the beginning. Your beginning, that is. So we begin in darkness. Welcome to Goddessy, Season 3, Episode 1. Born at the Gates of Death. But you ask, how can darkness exist if there was no light? For you are the light, bright Amaterasu, the illumination upon which the world is seen. How was there anything before you? There was plenty, a fact you soon realized. There was the sound of rushing water, there at Yomotsu Hirasaka, your first sight when the light shone from you. But there was already light, and a whole world, indeed, you are the sun, but the world is separate from the sun. Your first sight was the man, cleaning himself. He was tall, lanky, with long black hair, an eloquent beard, and was busy washing himself. He was nude save for his white fudendoshi around his nether regions, just as well, I should think, given who he was. He was cleaning his right eye as you appeared, and soon moved to the left. Ah, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I should set the scene. 
There were two stones there beside the pool, a small pond of clear crystal water, and it was there he stood. Beyond the two standing stones was a path going down the hill to a large boulder, and as your eyes adjusted, so did your ears, for it was there you heard the screaming, the howling, the curses just beyond comprehension this far away. A feminine voice, howling like a demon. The tall man in the pool cleaned himself, for dirty he was, covered in a kind of sooty dust. From his right eye he moved left, cleaning the filth from his eye. The energy grew, and you felt it. Did you not, Bright Amaterasu? My records indicate that you have said as much. You felt it, and it surprised you. No need to be embarrassed by this. The next being came into existence, as fully formed as you were. He wore a robe of gray-blue, eloquent and folded, and wore his hair up. He looked remarkably like the tall man, but had more of a trickster's gleam, a fox's grin, if I may be so bold. He, too, glowed, a pale white-blue light. There, in silence, he took you in and offered you a wink. But what did this glowing being see? A woman, her face long and her eyes bright, with beautifully long hair that ran down her back, unimpeded by ribbons or cloth. Her robes were white, with red and gold trim, her hands and feet unseen at the edge of the pool. She was petite but tall, imperious and imposing, her smile as natural as her face, which bore no makeup, yet glowed. That is what he saw. You, O oh great Amaterasu. Neither of you spoke, for you understood that it was not your place to speak just yet. The man cleaning himself, without opening his eyes, moved to his nose and mouth, cleaning it with a thunderous snort. In the same instant, the third being appeared, taller than the other two. His hair was as messy as his gray and blue robes. He had nothing noble about him, and indeed, he snorted and scratched his chin, with a hand upside down, loudly moving around before scratching his chest, and then his crotch. Where are we? What is that smell? He said, his voice gruff. The other man sighed, then spoke. We are waiting to find out. It would be fitting for you to be silent and to wait for your answer. The taller man spit. No need to wait if it means suffering the smell more. Where are we? Who are you? The man before the three clapped his hands, now clean. His hands stayed together as if in prayer, for indeed he was in prayer. It was then that you noticed his eyes were puffy. For of the three, you are the most perceptive. Opening his puffy eyes, he looked at the three of you, shocked. What's this? Three of my children come to find me. The taller of the three spoke. Children? How are we your children? We're fully grown and appeared out of nothing. The shorter of the two new beings shook his head. Nonsense. We are clearly his children. We all look like him, particularly my bright sister here, and you are our especially cloudy brother. But tell me, if you are our father, who are you, and why are we here? The man looked around, then down the hill, past the two stones, to where the howling was coming, and then back to the people before him, first to the tall one, then the shorter one, and then to you, to whom he smiled. The last three of our children, of my children, I see each of you for what you are, since you were the first to ask, youngest son. You are the son of storms, of growth, and of unions. You 
Asusanuo no Mikoto. You, Elder Sun, are the watching moon. Sukuyomi no Mikoto. They all of them turn to you, bright and illuminating. And you, you are my heir, the leader of the heavens. For it is my duty to bestow upon you this duty, this honor, this burden. The seat of heaven belongs to you, the rising sun itself, the master of the universe. You I name greatest of spirits, Amaterasu no Omikami, queen of the heavens. You bowed instinctively. Soon, too, did your siblings, to your father, and it was then that you spoke your first words. But I have never been to heaven, dear father. And what is your name? If we have a father, do we have a mother? The man left the water and smiled. Many questions. Good. A ruler should be inquisitive. I am Isanagi no Mikoto, one of the rulers of heaven. It was placed upon me to fill the world with life, and my duty is now done. With you three, the world is now complete. I have one task left, and it involves your mother, great Izanami. I think you will need to meet her. He dressed, a thin man in pure white robes. They were singed near the edges, and he wore simple sandals. He carried no weapon, nothing else, in fact. Nothing but the spear he kept against one of the stones that marked the border, you realized. For the boulder was blocking something down there. And so the three of you followed your father, great Izanagi, down the wall, down the hill that led down to the darkness. It was as if no light could reach that far to the boulder, and as you approached, the screaming got louder, became more coherent. And I will continue taking souls every day until there is nothing left in the world, Izanagi. Do you hear me? I will... Silent, dearest. I have something to say. Can you see above the boulder, I mean? There was a moment of silence, and then she spoke. Of course I can see the light. I can see that which I hate most, and I see you. Your father spoke. Then look harder now, each of you. Step up, and let me introduce you. Stand upon this rock. You stood first, Amaterasu, and bowed. Who's this? Are you replacing me? Who is this woman, Izanagi? You moved down, and Tsukuyomi took your place, then bowed. Who's this? You're replacing me with a man? You disgust me, husband. Tsukuyomi, looking disgusted, stepped down. Susanoo, who did not need to step upon the rock, did so anyway, and then, violently, wretched at the sight below. You're replacing me with a woman, a man, and a bear? Does the depravity of the living know no end, Izanagi? Susanoo spoke, loudly enough for the woman to hear him. Father, this woman is disgusting. This is our mother? How? Izanagi nodded at Susanoo, and he understood, stepping down. I wanted you to see this, Izanami, that we have had three more children, our greatest children, who will give light to the world, illuminate the dark of night, and bring storms to the world so it can grow. Together they will lead humanity and spirit into prosperity. The woman below laughed, bellowing. Did you not listen before, dear husband? I will kill them. I will kill so many. With violence and disease and famine, I shall kill. Your father's face changed, and he barked back. Then for everyone you kill, I will create two more. 
where you kill 500, I will create a thousand. No matter how many you try to destroy, wife, I will never let it happen. I will continue to create, and Amaterasu, Tsukuyomi, and Sanoa will see to it. I do this for you, for the woman you were before. Goodbye, wife. I guard the gates of the dead, forever longing for you. She screamed as he stepped down. Then come down here. Join me. Yomi is cold. It is lonely. Come back, husband. Do not reject me. But how could he come back? He had seen what you had seen. And what had you seen, divine Amaterasu? You look much as your mother, beautiful effortlessly, or perhaps the shadow of beauty. For beautiful though she might have once been, her body was bloated, rotted, and though every piece of torn skin, Oni spawned and swarmed. Like a fog of locusts, they swarmed around her, and indeed, all beings of Yomi surrounded her, for she was like a mother of monsters. Some managed to sneak out through holes above the boulder that blocked the gate. Izanagi killed many. Susanoo joined him, casting lightning bolts from the sky down and destroying them. Your light and Tsukuyomi's light incinerated them, Amaterasu, for you too serve light. But the pestilence of evil spirits was not entirely contained. No one can contain all evil forever, can they? Father, said Tsukuyomi as they maintained the gate, what is the meaning of this? Why is mother bound? Izanagi's dark eyes grew darker, a seas formed in them. Churning seas, dark seas indeed. You did not know the meaning now, but all of existence knows. She is gone from us. She has died and is a being of the land of the dead, of Yomi, where impurity was born. Your mother and I are the forebearers of the islands, of the lands, and of the many spirits that populate those lands. We, or perhaps even solely myself, created you together. The act of creation killed her. Susanoo didn't feel like that was enough. So? Let her out! This drew Izanagi's anger, the first true anger any of you had experienced. You know not of what you speak, Susanoo. To unleash impurity on the world is to corrupt the purity of life. All beings are themselves pure, but creation itself creates impurity. To give birth, a woman must tear herself apart and bleed to bring new life into the world. And so it is with all things. We must wash away the impurities and keep life pure. That is why I have created you three, the sun to show impurity in day, the moon to illuminate it in darkness, and the storms to wash away the impurities of the world. Each of you has an important task, but moon and storms must support the sun. Without her, neither of you can have power. You caught both of their glances. This sat right with Tsukuyomi, whose grin was eager, sincere, and full of you. Susanoo, however, grunted and went back to scratching his chin. His question had been answered, but it had put him in his place. If only he had stayed there. I believe what my two brothers are trying to say, honored father, you said, is how we came to be where we are now and how you created us. Did you create everything? Isanagi led the three of you up the hill, and there sat you upon the ground. Each of you did the same, though Sukuyomi created a blanket for you to sit upon. He was quite the charmer, was he not? A pity the facade that smile hid. I did not create the universe. It has always been. When you go to the plain of heaven, seek out Omodaru and Kashikone. They will tell you the order of the heavens you are to rule, Amaterasu. Your mother and I are the seventh generation of beings born, the seventh generation of the age of gods. 
we were ordered by our forebears to create, indeed, to mate. So we set about by placing a spear into the sea, and from the froth of the spear touched, land began to arise. Instinctively, you all knew to look at the spear. From there, your mother and I complimented one another, and knew how the next step must begin. But how? What was the first step on this path? We consulted our forebears, most of whom are without sex or gender, and created through mere thought and being. They explained what must happen, that we must create a union, must marry, and then procreate. That I must place my spear within her cavern, so to speak. And so we began the marriage ceremony, walking around one another in a rectangular shape. She complimented me, and I her. And so we began. And instantly she was with child, and instantly she gave birth. But the child was deformed. He had no bones and looked like a fish. So, seeing the deformity and knowing it was not right, we threw the being into the sea. Remember that, dear reader. Remember the discarded god. It may return by the end of our tale. Izanagi continued. And so we consulted our forefathers, and they said what had happened is that it should have been me to compliment her first, and that I, as the one who had speared the sea and brought forth the land, should have led the charge. And so we began the marriage ceremony again. This time I complimented her first, and then she me. And so we lay with one another again, and instantly she began giving birth again. A myriad of things was born, so many spirits I know not to tell you of how many of them. Thousands, tens of thousands in fact, all born. Islands, land, gods, spirits, all things born of her, entering into the heavens and the earth and populating the lands we had made. His face grew white then. Given how pale he already was, this was impressive and terrifying. Isanagi continued. Then your mother began to scream. Husband, husband, I am burning. I am burning from within. And I looked at her belly, still swollen after ten thousand births, and indeed, she began to glow red hot. She writhed. She scratched at her belly, trying to get the thing out of her, and the flames began to come from her, from her birth canal, and engulfed her. She screamed as the flames devoured her, and the thing came out of her. Covered in flames, the being charged me before I could get my spear. So I drew my sword and began slashing. I slashed, and I slashed, and I slashed, until my son was in eight pieces. I named him Katsukuchi, and I knew that he must not be reunited. If he were, he would destroy all that which Izanami had sacrificed herself to create. I held my wife's body in my arms, but she was not done creating. Her tears formed a beautiful woman, and I named her Mizuhame, the water goddess to match Katsukuchi's fiery heart. She existed to pacify the fire being, and from him, eight volcanoes were created. She keeps him in check, and so she shall for all time. But with Katsukuchi's birth came the first death. Impurity had entered the world. Birth is a gateway for many things. Remember this, when it comes for your time to have children. There was a silence for a moment, and even Susanoo's stormy face had changed. But Izanagi was not done, and you knew that. I knew where she went, where the honored forebearers of your mother and I had sent her, and so I descended foolishly into Yomi, thinking I could save her. And I found her. I found Izanami there, but you see what she has become. So shocked at her state was I that I dishonorably fled from her. I came to the gates as she and her new children chased me. For from her were born a myriad of oni, of demons, of bakemono, and yokai. 
Many flew before me, hoping to block my escape, but I slew those. Others flew into the world to destroy, or just to escape and to be beings of chaos. You, Susanoo, must bring those beings to justice. I bound the gates of Yomi with a boulder, and now I must remain here to guard the gates forever, for she cannot be allowed to escape. It was a lot to take in, wasn't it? But it was not the f answer, the final question of your heart, of your creation, was it, great Dematerasu? And he knew that. So Isanagi continued, one last time. Exposure to impurities means that you must be cleaned, and so I went to the water. For water is the purity of creation, of primordial beings, and I washed the impurities off of me. My right eye first, and then my left, and then my nose. From each of these was born one of you, in the order of your birth and of importance. Now I must ask you to leave. An abrupt ending, admittedly. Your father is a good man, but he is not one for pleasantries, is he? You all three rose from that place, from Yomotsu Hirasaka. You spoke. How will we find our way to the plain of heavens? Susanoo too, spoke. And what are we to do when we get there? Isanagi, then. Go to where the land meets sea and sky, and there the pillars of heaven will take you above to the plains of heaven. Have faith. Trust in each other. Go forth. Farewell, my children. May we meet again. It is an auspicious beginning, is it not, illuminating Amaterasu? Your creation is a curious thing, born of the act of purification. Indeed, birth itself creates impurity, and yet yours was a birth of purification. For you, and seemingly you alone, are born of beings entirely pure. Susanoo, born of a runny, weepy nose, how could he be? Sukuyomi, of the soot of the underworld, is merely a reflection of your purity. This is not flattery, but the truth. Mark it well, humble Amaterasu. I must end my writing here, and our tale must break. When my next parcel arrives, it will contain the truths of the plains of heaven and your ascension to the throne, and what problems lay ahead for you and your honored siblings. And so begins Season 3 of Goddessy. We're off to a start, full of false starts and sad starts, and, okay, mostly sad starts. The Japanese creation story told here, first found in the Kojiki and recycled later in the Nihon Shoki, is a classic tale of birth, death, and descending into the underworld, and fleeing from the what one finds there. It explains why there is a world, and why there is evil in the world. Izanami swears revenge on Izanagi, much as out of jealousy is out of revenge for his rejecting her. As mother of the Japanese pantheon, she is also the birth of all evil, at least in some versions. There are more tales of evil beyond her, but for the sake of the podcast, we're sticking to what the Kojiki and Shoki tell us. Our sources are the first two great Japanese historical texts, who first begin with mythological origins and then delve into what Japan considers real history, explaining the lives of the first couple of dozen emperors. The shift from supernatural to mundane is slow, and indeed the gods and spirits never truly go away, but they fit into the background of a human story. I've tried to reproduce that here because ultimately the tale of Amaterasu is central to that human story. Amaterasu, being put forward as the eldest and thus the Empress of Heaven, is a curious thing, as many have remarked upon the patriarchal nature of Japan today and historically. There have been numerous attempts to explain this, from making ancient Japan matriarchal to connecting her to figures mentioned in other histories such as the shamanic priestess-princess figure Himiko. 
She may have, as some sources in pop culture attest, been a sun shaman from Korea or China or elsewhere who helped solidify the cult surrounding the Yamato conquerors who ultimately became the Japanese. Whatever the case, Amaterasu reigns supreme to this day, and we'll see how it evolved over time through her myth cycles. It's worth noting that the ritual Isanagi performs is one of Shinto's most important ceremonies. If you've ever had a chance to visit a Shinto shrine, one of the first things you'll be expected to do is wash your hands. This is called Misogi, the water purification ritual, and it makes you clean before you interact with the spirits of the shrine and with that holy place. Every time you visit a shrine, it is expected behavior, and indeed, at certain times of year, there are more intense misogi rituals, such as bathing in waterfalls. Anyone familiar with Japanese media has seen this one or two times. Misogi is the birth of the most important kami of Japan. That is part of the myth of misogi's importance, and how the Amaterasu myth cycle begins and evolves from. We'll have to see how that evolves over time, won't we? Goddessy is written, researched, and produced by Greg Wright. Additional editing and research by Sidney Yeager, a bright, shining light in a dark world. Music by Scott Buckley, whose Creative Commons music can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au. Goddessy is more than a podcast. You can find us on social media at The Goddessy Podcast, where we maintain a robust weekly treasure trove of myth, folklore, and history on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Well, mostly Twitter, but you know how it is. You can support the show by leaving a review on your podcast service of choice. That's how others know how to find us. To support the show more directly, you can get early access episodes, blogs, and random shenanigans on Patreon found in the show notes. You can also find us on Coffee, or Kofi, I really don't know how to pronounce that, uh, for a more singular donation. Goddessy updates every Moon Day. Praise be to Tsukuyomi. See you next week.